you already know what time it is. Welcome back in to the NFL with AJL episode 25. We are locked and loaded live on a Thursday edition, not a Tuesday, not a Friday. Got to go out and support the fam tomorrow night, but I wanted to make sure I was getting with the community on the podcast. No, we love all rejoicing over the show, going over the topics, getting in the comments. Hope everyone has had a great week. We got Memorial Day weekend rolling up. Please, before we get into the show, like the stream, subscribe on YouTube, which we've been doing fantastic with. And always make sure to get me get at me on social at the NFL with AJL. You know the QR code if you scan it. It takes you to every bit of content we've got. Engage with me on social any way possible. Get at me on podcast platforms. Please make sure to leave us a review. Again, episode 25, Thursday night edition of the show. We're doing the entire AFC South predictions for the record. We're talking about the DeAndre Hopkins sweepstakes. Uh, We got so much on the slate tonight. The top five new quarterback wide receiver duos in the league. The new, not kickoff rule like I thought it was, the new fair catch rule going around in the NFL. But nonetheless, let's get into it. We're live. We're ready. We're established. Get in the chat. Get in the comments. Share the stream. Love seeing everyone in on the show tonight. So not going to waste any more time. We're going to go ahead and get into these AFC South 2023 record predictions. I know we did NFC South last week. We're going to kind of hop back and forth between the conferences. We'll stay in the uh, direction of the compass, if you will. NFC South last week, AFC South this week. And I'm going to start with maybe one of the hottest teams in the NFL right now coming out of this offseason and also the best team in this division. You guessed it correctly, the Jacksonville Jaguars, who do have the 10th easiest schedule in the NFL this year uh, as they walk into the season. They're projected at nine and a half wins. You can see the schedule here to my left. I have them going 13 and four overall in this season. I think it's going to be a great year for Doug Peterson. Trevor Lawrence is expected to jump out and be elite. Some people think he's already there, but he does have a little more work to do. But nonetheless, we know what those two are capable of. Calvin Ridley coming back, the moves that they made in the offseason, the players that they'll have coming back. One of the biggest winners in the draft to me. They're going to go six and three at home, seven and one on the road. And I know they got some international games, actually two here, but I just went with the verses and the at on the schedule in terms of home and away. So if I kind of got those off, please forgive me there. One loss away, excuse me, one loss on the road here. Sweeping the division. They're going to go 6-0 and in the division. They're going to win uh, both games against the Titans, both games against the Texans, both games against the Colts. The week nine bye week is going to be dead in the middle of the season. They're going to be 6-2 and heading into that week. So it's going to be strong, nice place bye week in week, uh, excuse me, in week nine. And you always love to see a very well-placed bye week for a good NFL team. Sometimes it falls too early. Sometimes it falls way late. This will be perfect right in the middle of the season. Eight games in, only two losses. <clears throat> excuse me, at this point. They're playing six games against playoff teams this year, talking about the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, Six games against playoff teams on their schedule that were playoff teams last year. They, excuse me, are on the schedule this year. So they're going to be going two and four in those games. Scroll down a little bit. I want to make sure that I'm, ooh, lost it. There we go. So they're going to be playing six games against playoff teams from last year. They're going to go two and four in those games. They're going to have dubs against the Bucks and the Niners, but I do believe it's going to be losses to the Bengals, the Chiefs, the Ravens, and the Bills. And don't get me wrong, they will be in all of these games that they're playing. It's going to be an easy win against the Bucks. I know the Niners are really expected to be a great team, but we are not 100% sure of what's going to be with the quarterback situation. It is leaning Brock Purdy, but I'm not going to expect Brock Purdy now going in, taking snaps for 17 straight weeks as a starter and playing 17 you know straight games 
coming off the, you know, so, some of the injuries that he's had. We know he's ha- has had the surgery. Shanahan is going to be good. We know the players are there, but I'm I'm not as high on San Francisco as a lot of people are. So it's going to be a W against the Bucks and against the Niners again here for the Jags, but losses to the Bengals, Chiefs, Ravens, and Bills. And that's the juggernauts of the AFC right there, right? We know what those teams present. But weeks 13, 14, and 15. For the Jags, they're going to be hosting the Bengals in week 13 at the Browns in week 14 and then hosting the Ravens in week 15. I think this is a major stretch in the season here for Jacksonville that has big, big playoff implications. The Jags are in a spot where they could win all of these or realistically lose all of these. And that's not a slide at Jacksonville. We know they were playing with a lot of money, house money last year. We see the comeback in the playoffs, of course, against the... excuse me, Los Angeles Chargers, uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence's first first half of the playoff game, four interceptions, and he cleans it up on the back end. So we know that they're in that weird spot right now. They've got talent. The coaching is proven. The team is still young. It's a bad culture for a while outside of, you know, Saxonville. They haven't really been anything for the last uh, decade or so. So they could win all these games again, but they could lose all these. You have You do have, realistically, though, as I see it playing out, a loss to the Bengals, a win, against the Browns, and then it could go either way with the Ravens. More than likely going to go a loss there. John Harbaugh over Doug Peterson, Lamar Jackson, call me crazy, over Trevor Lawrence. Maybe not by much. Maybe they're the same, but I believe in just overall the the solidarity of the Ravens, the roster, and the scheme a lot better than, than what Jacksonville is going to bring to the table. But now we're going to go over into the Indianapolis Colts here. They have the fourth easiest schedule walking into the NFL season, and they're projected at six and a half wins. I have the Colts going six and 11 overall this year, so just under on that six and a half projected win total. Splitting at home, uh, the, um, I know they have some international games as well. I believe they do, if I'm not mistaken. Um, five and five at home, and then one and six on the road. So 10 games at home. Again, if some of those are international, I believe they are. Um, and then one and six on the road. They're going to go two and four in the division, splitting with the Titans and splitting with the Texans, but they're going to get swept by the Jags. And I believe the Colts, Texans, and Titans are all going to be in a situation where you, know, you got rookie quarterback, rookie quarterback, and potentially another rookie quarterback and Will Levis. You know, all these quarterbacks taking the draft right here in this division. We know the Colts have a good coach. A lot of, you know, good talks about D'Amico Ryans and Mike, Mike Vrabel is very respected. Him and Doug Peterson are going to be probably the two best coaches in that division um, this year. But they're in positions to where with the roster, which Colts, Texans, Titans, not all great with the quarterback situation, kind of all question marks because it's either rookies or who's the quarterback going to be in the Titans situation. So that's why I think that. You know, they can split with the Titans and the Texans talking about the Colts here, but they are going to get swept by the Jags, who are by far the best team in this division. I got the Colts starting 0-3 in the season, though. Their first W is going to come against the Rams in week four. But before the bye week, they have Jacksonville twice, the Browns, the Saints, the Ravens, and even the Panthers could pop by week nine. So much weeded, excuse me, much needed by week in week 11, but they're going to have a record of three and seven heading in. Again, you're going to be facing, you're going to have that W against the Rams, but when you're facing Jacksonville twice, which both of those are losses, Browns, that's a loss. Saints, that's a loss. Ravens, that's a loss. Um, You could beat the Panthers, which I think they, I don't know. I have a lot of faith in Bryce Young being that number one pick, Frank Wright, um, you know, really making things happen. I know we have Shane Steichen here as well, but he's a rookie head coach versus Frank Wright being a seasoned head coach in this league, and we know what he's done, you know, being in the NFL. And I have a lot of faith in what Carolina, you know, I realistically think Carolina by week nine, maybe even week five to seven 
they could be competitive. You know, like they could be playing football like a, a B minus team, you know, still some moves away from the Super Bowl. But um, nonetheless, it could be either way game for the Colts. I believe it's going to be a loss. So much needed by week in week 11. They're going to have a record of three and seven walking in. They're going to be playing five games against playoff teams from last year. They're going to go one and four in those games, two losses to Jacksonville. They're going to lose to the Ravens. They're going to lose to the Bengals. I think they could beat Tampa as sticky as it could get. Tampa does have a great Super Bowl roster outside of quarterback. If you ask me, some people are not a big fan of the coaching, but when you look at what's on the defense, you look at the offensive power that's still with the Bucks. If they had the quarterback right, I believe a lot more people would be talking about Tampa. It's going to be a win here. It could be a potential loss, and I'm kind of actually questioning myself why I put a win against Tampa, but hey, we'll stick with it. Biggest matchup is going to be Week 18 against the Texans. That will be the playoff implications, and of course, they know the NFL. They leave the division games later in the season. Sometimes they'll stack three or four of them right in a row, or five of your last six are division games. You know, We know it can get kind of lined up that way. Coming at y'all with the Sprite. On episode 25. All right, going over into the Texans, want to make sure that I'm going to switch the graphic here real quick. Oh, look, is it turning up blue now? NFC South is going to be the worst division. Okay, Chris. All right. We'll see. I think the AFC South, honestly, man, like the Jags are going to be good, but like when you see my record predictions here and they're and they're so tough, I'm going to piss off a lot of people. I think the AFC South realistically will be the worst division in football. But we'll see once we get to those. Uh, or excuse me, we just did the the NFC South last week. I want to make sure, is this on is this on the third one? Is this on the Texans? Yes, it is. Okay. I want to make sure. Man, I hope I wasn't on that wrong one the whole time. Fine, tied for worse is South. I want to make sure I didn't, I didn't mess it up. You know what? Nope, I'm just going to have faith. I'm overthinking. We're going to go. <laughs> Texans have the third easiest schedule in the NFL. And they're projected at five and a half wins. I'm, I'm fairly, I know this is the Texan schedule right here next to me or next to me, whichever way it's supposed to go. I'm hoping the Colts one was correct. Pretty sure it was. Try not to let myself overthink while I'm live here on the show. Nonetheless, though, Texans going three and 14 overall this year. They're going to go three and five at home. Winless on the road at 0 and 8. They're going to go two and four in the division again, splitting with the Colts, splitting with the Titans. They're going to get swept by the Jags. And this is a team that they're going to have a tough one and five record heading into the bye week. That is in week seven at Ravens, Colts at Jacksonville, Pittsburgh at Atlanta, New Orleans. And the only thing, the only win that I see here will be against the Colts. And because that is at home and maybe even at that point, um, if I want to refer to the schedule correctly, that said schedule correctly, that's the second game of the year. So more than likely the Colts won't be what I believe they could turn into by week two. So that's going to be a win there for the Texans. Only two wins down the stretch after the bye week, and that's against Arizona and Tennessee at home. The one other win earlier in the season being against Indianapolis. They're going to play five games against playoff teams from last year. Jacksonville twice. Those are both losses. Bengals, that's a loss. Ravens, that's a loss. And Bucks, that's going to be a loss as well. Just because of the slanted roster of the Texans versus everyone else in the league. Look, I understand they have CJ Stroud, who's my favorite quarterback. They have Will Anderson, who was the best player in the draft, the best edge rusher in the draft. Uh, a lot of people, we, we know the, the conversations that were being had about um, Will Anderson, but the Texans, D'Amico Ryan's defensive head coach, very respected, very well talked about. I've got all the respect in the world for D'Amico, but I don't believe with the competition of the AFC South, 
excuse me, of the AFC in total. The slanted roster here with the Texans. CJ Stroud, he's he was good in college. Like there's let's make no mistake about that. We know CJ Stroud was good in college. But what is he going to be underneath a defensive head coach in his rookie year with a bad roster around him, with a bad culture around him that's blowing up and rebuilding? Um, I would love to believe that C.J. Stroud is going to win more than three games in his rookie year. But again, three and 14 overall, two and four in the division. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Again, beating Arizona and Tennessee at home and one earlier win in the season being against Indianapolis. I want the Texans to be better than this. I mean, I really do. But I mean, you look, Baltimore, Jacksonville, Pittsburgh, New Orleans. Those are losses. I believe Atlanta is going to be better than the Texans. What up, Darby? Good to see you in here, man, on this Texans record schedule prediction. Hope I see the comments as fast as you guys put them in there. You know, Cincinnati, that's a loss. Jacksonville, again, that's a loss. Denver, New York. Uh, Cleveland, those are all losses. You know, they're only winning. The only wins I have are one against the Titans, one against the Colts, and one against <clears throat> one against the uh, what's it called? One against the damn Titans, Colts, and uh, Cardinals. They could beat the Panthers, so they could have a fourth win there. But I just I I don't see any other ones. Yes, they could sweep. You know. Tennessee and Indianapolis. Tennessee could sweep Indianapolis and Houston. Indianapolis could sweep Tennessee and Houston. We really don't know. I feel like the Texans, the Colts, and the Titans are all in the same boat. And so that's why it's 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 really hard to put them up on a pedestal given the players that they do have. But let's roll on into the Titans for the last team in this AFC South 2023 record predictions. Titans have the fifth easiest schedule this year. They are projected at seven and a half wins. I got them starting the season 0-6. They're heading into the week seven bye. Absolutely winless. Saints, that's a loss. Chargers, that's a loss. Browns, that's a loss. Bengals, that's a loss. Colts, that's a loss. Ravens, that's a loss. They might be in they might be Indianapolis, but that's on the road in week five. Indy could be rolling or getting into a group at that point. I believe Indy is going to be better set up for success and and better uh, ran as a team this year and coached as a team, really, than the um, than the Titans will be, especially based on the roster differences. And even though Anthony Richardson is extremely raw, kind of the projection right now, Ryan Tannehill is going to be a bottom quarterback in the league. Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, we know has a higher ceiling. Seems like they moved off Malik Willis. Like, could the Titans this year be how the Colts were last year? Okay, we've got Matt Ryan. And then now we're going to play another quarterback. And then now we're going to play Sam Ellinger. And it just got really ugly and really sticky. And now we see with Matt Ryan not having a job in the NFL starting the season. Titans fans, I am so sorry. Y'all are starting the season 0-11 before finally getting a win at home versus Indianapolis in Week 13. And as of right now, Tennessee and Arizona might be the worst teams in the NFL next year. They're going 2-15 overall. They're going to go 2-7 and seven at home, 0-8 oh on the road. They're going to play seven games against playoff teams this year. Allen, I'm sorry. Wesley, I am so sorry. Jacksonville twice, Seattle, Miami, Tampa, Baltimore, Cincinnati, and the Chargers. Get, tell me the Titans can win any of those games. Maybe Seattle, but more than likely not happening. I would probably bank on Baker Mayfield to play better football this year in a Bucks organization than I would with Ryan Tannehill in a confusing quarterback room, question marks about Derrick Henry, and a really bare roster offensively. We'll get into that in a second. 
I know the defense was number one in rush defense. Super awesome there. So clearly they have a defensive line presence. But I don't believe, and kind of getting into you know a little ba- a little later in the segment, this, but this is the point. I don't believe that <clears throat> Mike Vrabel will be able to curtail a questionable quarterback room, an inferior quarterback room with everyone in there, a bare roster offensively, and a defense that's middle of the pack. That's honestly. Man, there's nothing like that. Podcast Sprite. But yes, it's I, I, I hate this. I absolutely hate this for the Titans. I have them going 2-15 and 15, literally due to the inferior and confusing quarterback room, the bare offense outside of Derrick Henry. And while I believe Mike Vrabel, I know Mike Vrabel has the capability to coach them to be better, but their roster does not outmatch any team that they play this season. And the bad quarterback play with great coaching and in middle-of-the-pack defense, again, will only get you so far. So as this division is going to shake out, the Jags are going to go 13-4, and four, win the division. The Colts are going to fall behind and go 6-11, second in the division. The Texans will go 3-14, and 14, and then the Titans will go 2-15. and 15. Ugly division here. Definitely, it seems like it's going to be the worst division as of uh, right now as I'm looking at it in football because the Jags are going to have more wins than the rest of the division than the rest of the division combined by two games. So it's going to be ugly. Definitely going to be ugly. I mean, they fell off, but you tripping. <laughs> I mean, Wes, you know, Wes, since you're here, man. So let's just look at it since you're here. Got a fan live on the show. New Orleans, that's that's a loss. I'm sorry. And not just because I'm a Saints fan. New Orleans, I think, is clearly a better team than Tennessee right now. Defensively, clearly offensively, quarterback play. Yeah, you got me on running back. Great. <laughs> um, Los Angeles loss chart the just the, the the difference of roster Cleveland same thing Cincinnati same thing Indianapolis you're on the road by week five I believe they could already be popping uh, Baltimore clearly that's a loss Atlanta I believe is better than you that is a loss Pittsburgh I believe is better than you that is a loss Tampa Bay maybe you could get that win there but I believe that's a loss Jacksonville you're getting swept by them that's a loss Carolina week 12 Yes, you're going to be taking them on at home. I have a lot of faith in Freight Reich, Bryce Young, Adam Thielen. They brought in Hay- uh, excuse me, Hayden Hurst. They still have Chuba Hubbard. We know some of the defensive players with Carolina. Just, I know it's harsh to say that Tennessee's only going to have two wins, but give me more than two wins on the schedule. Saints is iffy. You're in New Orleans week one to open the season, and you think that's iffy. <laughs> no, sir. No, sir. No, sir. No, sir. No, sir. (laughs) Um, Okay, but Indianapolis. Again, now you're going to be playing them at home. You could win there. Believe you will. I believe you're going to split in the division. Uh, Miami, that's a loss by far. Houston at home, that's a win. Seattle at home, that's a loss. Houston on the road, because it's on the road, that's a loss. And again, you're getting swept by Jacksonville. Bets. Um I mean, I'm not placing any bets, but they do have Titans have the fifth easiest schedule and they're projected at seven and a half wins. So, I mean, go figure with how, you know, it's going to play out. But moving off these schedule predictions, y'all get in the comments. Let me know what you think about the AFC South 2023 schedule predictions. Again, have the Jags winning the division going 13 and four Colts in second going six and 11. Texans in third going three and 14 and Titans in fourth at an abysmal two and 15 
Didn't mean for this graphic to say changes kickoff rule because they didn't change the kickoff rule. They changed the fair catch rule. And yes, there's the new NFL rule that is in place where fair catches on punts and kickoffs inside the 25-yard line will be placed at the 25-yard line. So now we have another rule that is added to the kickoffs to essentially continue to minimize this play and minimize how it actually sets up strategy and how, yeah, just strategy and how a team is going to approach another team on the field. Now, now keep it in mind, we've already made it to where, you know, you know, the teammates used to be able to run as the kicker was running up to kick it. Now the kicker has to kick before the teammates can run. That was to reduce concussions and just those head-on collisions. It used to be a touchback that would come out to the 20. Now it's the 25. The kickoff, that's now three things. The kickoff used to be from the 25-yard line. Now it's from the 35-yard line. And now, if you have a fair catch inside the 25-yard line, you will literally be given the difference in yardage up to the 25-yard line. So now, and, and there's been a lot of talk about, is this taking jobs out of the league? Or will this take jobs out of the league in the future? Yes. And before anyone, oh, well, that's just how things evolve. Eventually, this position won't exist. No. This rule is specifically hindering the kicker position because when it used to be the kickoff was from the 25, your kicker had to send it 75 yards down the field, maybe about 70 to 72, probably realistically, you know, uh, 72 to 74, not to move it around so much, but to strategically place it enough the goal and enough in front of the goal line to where they can't obviously down it for a touchback and come out to the 20, they have to run it out. And it's really on, you know, the um the special team squads to really make it happen. And whether it's a good player or favors, whoever it does. But now it was moved up to the 35. Okay, 10 yards taken away and advantage given to the receiving team. That reduced uh, touchbacks, or excuse me, that increased touchbacks by a lot. I think the, the jump was very exponential. You can see it in the percentages. Now you will... <laughs> You will be given yardage, again, if you call for a fair catch inside the 25-yard line. So now that the kickoff is on the 35, you essentially only need a kicker to kick the ball. The 35 to the 50 is 15 yards. The 50 to the 35 is another 25 yards. 25 plus 15 is 40. You're now only needing a kicker to kick the ball 40 yards, essentially. It's, I don't know. It's just very odd. It's very odd because you're either going to get the touchback and come out to the 25, or if the kicker goofs and kicks it between the 25 and the goal line, you're just going to wait for a fair catch. So if the kicker kicks it at the two and you see that it's not going to land inside the goal line, you're going to walk your happy ass out to the two yard line and wave your hand. So you can be given 23 yards, whether it's on a punt or whether it is on a kickoff. And so now we're just really minimizing the position of kicker. And I'm not a kicker game positive side to this as well football my entire show is about football sometimes it's hard to come out with content and i even contemplated should i talk about this rule change but it does impact the game because now you're going to have kickers being asked to do less which more than likely they'll get paid less um you know kickers are going to be minimizing the game you're giving like do you realize you could be giving up two and a half first downs if your kicker puts the ball at the two, and everyone's going to get the wherewithal to go back and wave their hand to gain that extra yardage. You're going to be giving teams like the Chiefs, the Bills, the Jaguars, the Eagles, 
the Bengals, the Dolphins, those teams that can score in one play, you're just going to give them yardage like that. And that's where I have a problem. Now, of course, the NFL comes in, gives their reasoning for it. Excuse me. They did so to reduce concussions and prevent future lawsuits on the league. We know thousands, hundreds of players sue the NFL every year. The NFLPA, you know, they 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 want to stay in front of things on concussions and whatnot. Supposed to reduce kickoff returns by 7% and concussions by 15%. Because if you look into the numbers, the NFL kickoff play, I believe, is the leading play in sports for concussions. So they want to prolong the life of the players and of the league. And, I, and I'm here for that. You know, the NFL just celebrated a hundred years of the sport. And I want, I want to see more of that. I want to continue to see things done to the game that help the future of it and extend the lifespan of the game that we fell in love with so much, but also don't minimize the game to a point. And it is on a one-year trial. It's on a one-year trial. It's not going to be something that's strictly implemented into the rules. They're going to test it out and see it. But Owners weren't for it. Players weren't for it. Special teamers were definitely not for it. And of course, they approve it. And, you know, it's, it's, it might not necessarily be a correlation. I know there's going to be a comment out there for someone to leave, but the NFL is nearing a seven year extension, I believe, with Roger Goodell, according to Jim Irsay. I'm telling you guys, I might have to do that sprite every show, every single show. Thanks, babe. Shout out you. I know you're listening. Shout out JJ Wings and Things in Hogansville, Georgia. American Deli, but on crack. Completely family owned. Jonathan and Johnica, tell them uh, the NFL they jail sent you. Great folks over there. But yes, get in the comments. Let me know what you think. And I'll check the chat before we get out of here. The NFL has now made that rule to where if you fair catch it with inside the 25-yard line, you will be moved up to the 25. So given yardage, changing games, changing you know, giving other teams advantages that if you don't have the skill, like now, and this just hit me too, now if you don't have the skill of a special team squad, that's fine because you're going to be saved and get brought up to the 25-yard line anyways. If you don't have good blockers to to cover your return, man, or if you don't have, I think they're called, gun, no, gunners is on punting. If you don't have good, you know, just special teamers on the kicking team just beaming it down the field, like that that just takes away that skill gap. That is now not a thing that people have to prioritize and it's just taking an element out of the game again. I'm here for it. They want to you know, uh expand not expand, prolong the life of the league and they want to protect the future. But y'all get in the comments, get in the chat, let me know what your thoughts are on this rule change. Wesley says we're going to split with the Colts. Um yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, agreed, Wesley. Y'all are going to split with the Colts, and y'all are going to split with the Texans as well. Brian Muck says, how about just get rid of kicking off and starting at the 20 or even the 10? Yeah, I would like it to go back to the 20, to be honest with you, Brian. I think the 20 is fair. I think I'm not even opposed to the 10. That would reduce scoring a lot, and not every team. like Some teams in the league barely have the capability to go 80 yards on a play, let alone now we would make them go 90 or 80 yards on a drive. Now we'd make them go 90. And, of course, you have you know the, the, the walking one-play touchdowns and the, and the teams that are always going to you know, be able to, to really score from wherever, score at will. But, yeah, I mean, getting, getting rid of kickoffs – I mean, at, at this point, I'd be game for that if they would move it back to the 20 or maybe even the 15. I'd split the difference with you and go move it back to the 15-yard line there. But this is episode 25 of the NFL with AJL. Guys, I wouldn't be doing these episodes if it wasn't for the support of you guys. I wouldn't be able to 
do it without the support of you guys. Love that we're on episode 25. The YouTube channel is growing. The social media is growing. Please make sure to like and share the stream wherever you're at. If you super love content, you can hit this bell that's on the YouTube page. You'll get notified for every post. Subscribe to the channel at the NFL with AJL on all social media and podcast platforms. Engage with us. Leave a review. Follow. Share our posts. DM. Subscribe. Like. All the things that we know to do on social media. The QR code is the one-stop shop for all things the NFL with AJL content. And again, I hope everyone is having a great week as we're tapped into the show, rolling through these topics. Now, this was a... I'm shocked, but every team has to protect themselves. And Russell Wilson... Maybe I'm twisting a little bit, but Russell Wilson could be on the hot seat next year. Because the Broncos reportedly will look for an exit strategy if Russell Wilson plays bad again and just has the abysmal season. I'm not even going to pull up his numbers and go through that pain of reading them because we know that it was by far the worst season he's ever had in his career. But I'm very shocked, and you guys tell me as well, that the Broncos are willing to be this bold after one bad and really anomaly season of Russell Wilson's career um, and Sean Payton coming over in the offseason. I get it. You know, that that pick turned into Brian Bercy for the New Orleans Saints, you know, a player they really needed. But it was a late first-round pick for a legendary coach in Sean Payton. And it's not because I'm a fan. It's because I witnessed what he did. And if you look at his record, you understand the effect that he has on a really one team, of course, in New Orleans. But I believe he'll be able to duplicate it, not exactly in Denver. I believe he'll be able to win a Super Bowl there for sure. But it might take a little time. So to know that, again, you know, Russell Wilson's brought over in a major trade. It was multiple firsts, multiple seconds, multiple players. Huge record-breaking deal. Most, you know, Some of the most guaranteed money we've ever seen. One of the fattest contracts in NFL history. We know the financial turmoil that the, the, the Broncos now, hindsight 2020, have gotten themselves into with Russell Wilson. And if you look at the dead cap hit that the Broncos will actually take if Russell Wilson gets you know, moved off of. So the, the way the contract is written, they have a potential out in 2026. It'd be, and it would finalize as four years, 161 million, 31, 31.2 million in dead cap after 2025. But if they were to have an out after the 2023 season, because Russ's big money didn't hit, well, he's got a, actually, no, I, I take that back. His dead cap is major. Um, you know, all of the years that he's with the Broncos, but his big, base salary doesn't kick in until 2025 and then he would get a lot of his base salary in 2027 and 2028 with 44 and 50 million respectfully big dead cat hit cap hit at the beginning 124 million last year 107 million this year goes down every year of course in 2028 he'll only have a 4.4 million dead cap hit but if the if the Broncos wanted to get out of this after this year you're looking at 107 million in dead cap this year 124 million in dead cap that already happened last year. <clears throat> and he would be set for another 85 million in dead cap in 2024. 49.6 million dead cap in 2025. And like I said, there's the potential out in 2026 for the contract. To know that the like <laughs> to know the haul that the Broncos gave up, to know the offseason that they've had, to know the coach that they just brought in to know the Super Bowl roster that they're still sitting on 
and, and, and again, I get it. You know, I, I get it. Every every roster has to protect themselves. Every the NFL's a business, right? The moment they signed Russell Wilson, they probably were having slight talks about his replacement. Like, you know, they tell you that in the NFL for a reason. The year you're drafted, your replacement was probably drafted the same year. Or or however it plays out, you know. But the dead cap hit would be insane. The haul that they gave up for Russ was insane. And if they were to find that exit strategy, it would it would just be a major bullet that they would have to take and really that they would have to eat at this point because Russell Wilson, again, it's it, it was an anomaly season. Like, it was not, this is not something we're going to see of Russell Wilson. And damn it, if y'all aren't going to make me pull up the stats from Russ so I can go out and defend him. Last year, he had 3,500 yards, 16 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. His last season in Seattle, which wasn't even his best, really, outside of the 2014 and the um, 2014, and damn, I just saw it. Uh, Yeah, really, the 2014 season, and then kind of comparable numbers. Really, his first three years in the league, and then the 2016 season as well. 25 touchdowns, six picks in his final year, 2021 with Seattle. Year before that, 40 touchdowns, 13 picks. 100-plus passer rating, four straight years from 2018 to 2021. 31, 40, and 25 touchdowns his final three years with the Seahawks. 35 touchdowns, 34 touchdowns the year before. It's not even all about numbers for Russell Wilson because we see what he can do on the field. We know that he is that, you know, Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow-esque type of quarterback before he played like this in 2022. People forget it's it's just like with Deshaun Watson. Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson have a good of chances anybody next season. And if you want to get super picky outside of the Chiefs and the Bills, and maybe if you want to compare it to Joe Burrow, after that, they have a chance to run for being some of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And we just seem to forget that because of one bad season with Russell Wilson, and of course I threw Deshaun Watson in there as well because that is another quarterback that's just getting slept on, and I'm a big believer in the Browns next year. I'm a big believer in the Broncos for next year. Talked about it earlier in the season, and I believe in the roster again. I believe in Sean Payton that's coming in. They've got a great recipe for success, but to know that, again, team was sold last year, new quarterback, rookie head coach, coach is gone. Apparently there's an exit strategy now in place if Russ plays bad again, and you brought Sean Payton in. So it would just be a major, major L for Denver to take. And, and, and when you look, okay, let's say they move off Russell Wilson, right? Who, who are you going for? You're not going to be bad enough to compete for Caleb Williams or probably even Drake May. You know, like you're every free agent quarterback got tied up this offseason. You know, Justin Herbert's going to get paid. Joe Burrow's going to get paid. Jalen Hurts got paid. Patrick Mahomes isn't going anywhere. Josh Allen isn't going anywhere. Aaron Rodgers already moved. Um, you know, like Matthew Stafford's not going to be grabbable. Tom Brady's out of the league. Um, you know, I mean, ev- ev- everyone else in the NFC's got their quarterback. The Giants have their guy. Maybe Kirk Cousins because he's going to be towards the end of a deal and he could come and play for the Broncos. But who else would the Broncos turn to if or when? they move off of Russell Wilson. They can't be in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes. They're not going to be that bad. It's a Super Bowl caliber roster. They're just going to be too good. And every free agent quarterback got locked up this offseason. So 
Definitely thought it was interesting to think or to know that the Broncos will look for an exit strategy. Well, it's not interesting to know because, again, the NFL is a business. Everyone has to set it out. But if Russell Wilson, <laughs> you know what? Let me, let me just back up on it. It's clear that this last season was bad enough to scare the owners that much. Because the owners, I mean, you know, the, 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 the team, again, exit plan, like exit strategy. Okay. It was that bad. It looked that bad. It smelled that bad. It felt that bad. And it would it it shocks me of how much of an L it would be for a very, very promising Broncos team. Because when I look at teams like the Vikings, when I look at teams like the Colts, when I <sighs> look at teams like the Cardinals just a couple seasons ago, look at a team like the Texans before they blew the playoff lead against Patrick Mahomes a few years back. I don't want the Broncos to be one of those teams where they've got big potential and they've got the players in place, but they make one or two wrong moves and it goes down the drain. Like when the Vikings lost a lot of their defensive players or when the Colts roster just seemed to fall apart and they've really never been able to nail the quarterback position. Um, Not recalling the other teams I just named, unfortunately, but I, I don't want the Broncos to be one of those teams. Because I know they have a lot of potential. This is a team that can win a Super Bowl. Not this year. If they did this year, I'm not shocked. I've been saying it. Russell Wilson and Sean Payton are going to bring new elements out of each other in great ways. All right. NFL superstars staying with their team. NFL with AJL episode 25. An NFL superstar is going to be staying home with their team. I see 460 subs right around the corner. Thank you so much. I love you, babe. Always looking forward to seeing you in the comments. Austin Eckler is staying home with the Chargers. And there was a lot of talks about this. A lot, a lot, a lot of talks about this this year. But after so much going on, and Austin Eckler said he wanted to be a Charger. He was willing to go play elsewhere, but he wanted to be a Charger, and he made that note two months after requesting a trade. Excuse me. Austin Eckler is going to remain in Los Angeles for the final season of his contract. He's got $1.75 million in incentives added to his deal per Shefty. He turned 28 earlier this month. He was scheduled to earn 6.25 in the fourth and final season of his $24.5 million extension. He knows he's underpaid. He said it on a podcast earlier this year. He's going to be bound for free agency after the season. And you just look at Austin Eckler. 17 starts last year. He had an NFL best 18 touchdowns. That's the two straight seasons that he's done that most touchdowns in the NFL. So people saying that, oh, he's comparable, or he's okay, or anyone can get in the end zone, not true. Absolutely not true at all. If you're sleeping on Austin Eckler, I simply think that you don't know the game of football. He rushed for 915 yards last year, which was a team high. Caught 107 passes for 702 yards last year. He was really used as a target out of the backfield, of course. He led the NFL with 822 yards after the catch last season he ranks 13th in the NFL in average salary of course Christian McCaffrey's number one that's always going to be the measuring stick there but my point as we get into this is did the Chargers need Austin Eckler to return because I believe they did okay I absolutely believe they did because Joshua Kelly I think had a little over 200 yards last year Isaiah Spiller had under 50 yards total rushing last year for the Chargers and, and, and again, Austin Eckler led the NFL last year with total 
touchdowns. 204 carries last year, 915 yards, 13 rushing touchdowns, along with five receiving touchdowns. Or excuse me, yes, five receiving touchdowns, 107 catches, 722 yards, like I mentioned. The season before that, he has 20 total touchdowns, 206 carries, 911 yards. Really the same season again. Comes back with 70 catches, so about 30, roughly 23 less catches, I guess. Oh, shoot, hold on, Adam. 37 less catches, excuse me. Then 2022, 647 yards, eight touchdowns, again, for 20 total touchdowns in 2021. He had 11 total touchdowns in 2019. And and realistically, as you just get into it, Austin Eckler is an elite running back. Austin Eckler is an elite two-way back. He can go in between the tackles. He can split on the outside. I understand that he's got some injury issues. And, and I hate that. That's always going to make people shy away. That's always going to minimize what people can do. But when Austin Eckler is healthy and he's full throttle, it is shown. He has 38 touchdowns total over the last two seasons, which leads the NFL as a player, of course, outside of quarterbacks. There's not anything you can do to dispute that. And for the icing on the cake, since the Chargers signed Austin Eckler, who was an undrafted free agent, by the way, not, excuse me, 63 touchdowns. He's joining Hall of Famer Lenny Moore is the only player in NFL history to record at least 25 rushing and 25 receiving touchdowns in their first six seasons. Love Austin Eckler. Big fan of his. Very happy for him. I mean, he he's a dog. He is a running back that you want now. He is playing better than Alvin Kamara as of recent. And I don't think not even that that's not a fair comparison because they are, you know, roughly the same player, like a Joe Mixon, like a Christian McCaffrey. But Kamara's been, you know, misusing that Saints offense, had some things going on offensively the last couple of years. So it's rough. And and we've seen, you know, what it's done for Kamara and the Saints. But Austin Eckler is a guy that would have a huge market. He might not go out and make more than Christian McCaffrey. He might not break the running back market. He might only come in at 12 or 13 or maybe even 11 million like an Aaron Jones, who is also another running back. like. Uh, Austin Eckler, <clears throat> but I just think this, I just honestly, the Chargers need to quit fucking around and, and they need to sign Austin Eckler straight up. They need to quit playing. They need to go ahead and sign him, get him locked up because again, you have failed to put a running back room around Austin Eckler. You have failed to get a reputable number two back in that room in the last few years because you know that Austin Eckler is your guy. And even if he struggled through injuries, even if he's been, you know, disputed for ridiculous reasons, like I said, 38 touchdowns as a player over the last two seasons, 63 touchdowns in the first six years of his career. And that's with having five, six and three in three seasons, three of the last four years. He hasn't had less than 11 touchdowns, 11 touchdowns in 2019, three in 2020, 20 in 2021 and 18 in 2022. But yeah, the Chargers, they got to quit messing around. They have to sign him because there's, I mean, and, and you know, the running back market, there's there's trades they could pull off, right? There's people that they could go get, but Austin Eckler wants to stay here. He knows he's underpaid, but he wants to be a Charger. He provides for this team. He really puts it all out there on the field for the Chargers, and I think it would be insane for the Chargers to let him go. They need to work it out. They need to add more to the incentives or whatever. I think they need to get him to a nice contract really right after the season because I know Austin Eckler is going to be good. He's going to play his heart out. Now, if he gets injured, of course, knock on wood, very hopefully, very hopeful that that doesn't happen. 
He's going to be great. He's been healthy for the last two seasons. You look at the touchdowns that he's put up. So it would be a major loss for the Los Angeles Chargers to not sign Austin Eckler. It would be a huge loss for them to let Austin Eckler go because Austin Eckler would have a major market, whether it would be the Bengals possibly, whether it would be the Bills possibly, whether the Saints could look into it, whether the, um, you know, I don't know, if the Dolphins for some reason wanted to sign just a, a surefire RB1. Like his market's huge. Austin Eckler's market is absolutely massive, and I believe that really the uh, the Chargers shouldn't mess around. They really shouldn't mess around, and they should go ahead and get the deal done with Austin Eckler. This is episode 25 of the NFL with AJL. We are live on a Thursday night edition. I know we usually have Tuesday and Friday shows, but Shout out Ryan Spradlin if you're watching the show. So proud of you, buddy, for graduating high school tomorrow. I'm going to be riding out there to Spalding County, good old dirty south of Georgia, to be out there for his graduation. So that's why we have no show tomorrow. We will be back Tuesday, Friday of next week. So much content that's coming out. Please like and share the stream wherever you may be watching. Subscribe on YouTube at the NFL with AJL on all social media platforms. Of course, you know the QR code will take you to every bit of content. Engage with us any possible way on social media. Leave us a review on podcast platforms. It really helps. I couldn't bring you guys the show that I bring y'all a couple times a week if it wasn't for the support that I have from y'all. And as always, never forget that we are sponsored with Buy and Sell. Sponsored by Buy and Sell with AJL for all your worldwide professional real estate leads. Real estate needs, Lord. Whether you're looking to buy a home, sell a home, or invest in real estate, make sure to get at them on social media to get handled by a true real estate professional team. Drop your email in the comments or DM them on social media to get on their true newsletter. They send out the monthly real estate newsletter. Keeps you ahead of the daunting news. Interest rates are still below national, or excuse me, still below historic averages over the last 30 years. It's still a good time to buy. If you're a seller, people are still wanting to buy houses. The supply is still short and they've got AI in the business to where if you want to know a property's value and how fast it could sell for DM or drop your email and that property address to get hooked up for their free newsletter and monthly market reports that are powered by their AI. And the, uh, excuse me, the DeAndre Hopkins sweepstakes is heating up again. DeAndre Hopkins has been in the news a couple times this offseason, and now he has come forward and add the Chargers, the Eagles, and the Ravens to his list. So currently, DeAndre Hopkins has the Chiefs, the Bills, the Chargers, the Eagles, and the Ravens are his top five teams, not in that order that he would like to play for this season. He said that he's at the point where he wants a veteran to be throwing him the football, not a very young player or a rookie. He'd like a seasoned player. But he went on, he was on the I Am Athlete podcast, talking to Brandon Marshall and Ashley Nicole Moss. Shout out to them with Paper Route, everything they're doing with that show. Um, I know they had to split off with the Pivot. Shout out to the Pivot podcast as well. Love those platforms. But DeAndre Hopkins said that he was naming five quarterbacks, his top five quarterbacks, so his order of quarterbacks that he wanted to play with. He said Josh Allen was number one. Jalen Hurts is number two. Patrick Mahomes is number three. I think that's a little low for Mahomes, but hey, I'm not a player. Maybe you don't want to always go play with the best players, right? But he wants to play with five of the best quarterbacks in the league. Uh, no Joe Burrow on there. No Trevor Lawrence on there. Lamar Jackson, four. Justin Herbert, five. So I wanted to take the time and really rank the preferred quarterbacks 
in terms of how they would line up with DeAndre Hopkins or really rank the landing destinations for his top five teams that he's looking to go to this year. So number five for me is going to be the Chargers. They have Keenan Allen, who is a greater receiver than people think. They have Mike Williams, who gets better every year. They just drafted Quentin Johnston, who I didn't like the pick, but nonetheless, we know he's a good receiver. He's going to have some growing to do. I think the receiver room's full. You got two big guys with Quentin Johnston. You got Keenan Allen, who, yes, is on the way out. But with DeAndre Hopkins, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and Quentin Johnston, that's four big-time receivers, if you ask me, um, you know, that are going to be just in a crowded wide receiver room. I believe at that point, Keenan Allen would be ushered out because Mike Williams is younger and healthier. And I just think for some reason is viewed better by, uh, you know, the fans and really the media. I have a lot of respect for Keenan Allen, still one of the sharpest route runners like Devontae Adams in the league. So the last spot for me will be the Chargers. Number four, I'm going to put the Eagles, not because of Jalen Hurts, but because of the way the Eagles are set up. They still have... Um, shoot, they still have Goddard, right? I need to know that. Let me make sure. They still have Dallas Goddard. Uh, 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 do they? Do they? Do they? Do they? Yes, they do. Okay. So the Eagles are going to be at number four, and they've got receivers in Dallas Goddard. AJ Brown just took over the scene. Devontae Smith is there. Adding DeAndre Hopkins would be nice, and they do have less competition in the receiver room than the Chargers do. They would get that veteran in there, not that A.J. Brown or Devontae Smith aren't, but DeAndre Hopkins been in the league about a year now. He would be okay, again, I said it earlier, with moving to that wide receiver two type of role. Um, and, and this would just secure the Eagles to jump even further and really be that team to go into the NFC, come out of the NFC and be in the Super Bowl. It would immediately make Jalen Hurts better. DeAndre Hopkins is a deep threat. He's a short threat. He's a medium threat. However you want to look at it, he can slice you up all over the field. Number three would be the Baltimore Ravens. I would have them higher, but I like the other quarterbacks. Of course, we know who the two are ahead of them um, over Lamar Jackson, but this would be higher if it wasn't for that. Love the coaching of John Harbaugh. Glad Jim Lamar Jackson got signed. He's pumped. He's happy to be back in training camp. We're seeing videos of him really performing. We know the fan base is very, very hype for Lamar Jackson to be a Raven. Whole lot of flock going on, like Lamar Jackson said, for the next few years as he got the big contract. They brought OBJ in. Got respect for OBJ. He's coming off two torn ACLs in his career. They brought in Zay Flowers, who I've loved Zay Flowers in the draft, a little bit higher on most draft boards than, you know, or on my draft board than what most people thought in general. But uh, Zay Flowers, great receiver. Loved him coming out of college. I think he's going to be an immediate impact. Lamar Jackson gets a great weapon there. And then if you bring in DeAndre Hopkins, I'm pretty sure Lamar said, get me D-Hop and OBJ and we'll talk. Well, they got OBJ. They signed. Maybe the Ravens really, really show that they love Lamar Jackson and they bring in DeAndre Hopkins, put him next to Zay Flowers, put him next to, uh, damn, OBJ. That would be, uh, that could be a very elite wide receiver trio in the league. But number two, moving on, we're going to have the Buffalo Bills. Josh Allen needs another number two solid receiver because it's not Gabe Davis. It's not Isaiah McKenzie. I have respect for those players. It's not Deontay Hardy from the New Orleans Saints that is now with the Buffalo Bills. Stephon Diggs is there as the number one. Dawson Knox is hit or miss. If you bring in DeAndre Hopkins into this team, the Bills would take leaps. 
Josh Allen maybe wouldn't have as much pressure. I don't know why Stephon Diggs isn't happy, but this would make the team better. They need that number two presence. The Bills need another weapon offensively. It would be more ideal for them to get a running back, but DeAndre Hopkins said he wants to be here. The Bills still need to make it to the AFC title game. They need to make it to the Super Bowl. Didn't mean to slip and say make it to the AFC title game. I want to see the Bills do more. I want to see the Bills take that leap. I want to see the Bills be that team. And if they signed DeAndre Hopkins here to put him next to Stephon Diggs, that would be a great addition. But number one, and not because they're the Super Bowl champions, not because they have the best coach and quarterback in the NFL, but because Patrick Mahomes, outside of Travis Kelsey, does not have a number one receiver. And I understand they made things happen with a seventh round running back in Isaiah Pacheco and a revamped Kadarius Tony, who y'all want to get on my back for because I've never been a fan of, and I'm still not a fan of Kadarius Tony. Love what he did in the Super Bowl, though. Have a lot of respect for that. And they remade a Marquez Valdez scaling MVS, as we all call him, and they remade a Juju Smith Schuster. Okay, they did it. And they still had to win a shootout with Patrick Mahomes on a bum ankle who won Super Bowl MVP and they win 38 to 35. I know they want to be more comfortable than that. And we have the talks of Patrick Mahomes and his contract. Of course, Joe Burrow is roaming around out there as well. We'll get into that on episode 26 next Tuesday. But Patrick Mahomes needs a wide receiver one. And it's not that, I mean, clearly he didn't have a surefire one and they just won the Super Bowl. Okay, they were an amazing team. MVP, Super Bowl, MVP, Super Bowl champion, right? That's what that team had. And Travis Kelsey, like I've accepted, Travis Kelsey is his wide receiver one. And we know what Kelsey's capable of. But you bring in DeAndre Hopkins next to Patrick Mahomes. DeAndre Hopkins doesn't have to worry about slipping to wide receiver one. He's immediately wide receiver one or the second option because we know the attention that Kelsey's going to get. You tool him in with Andy Reid. I know they draft Rasheed Rice, I believe, was the wide receiver in the draft that they bring in. Patrick Mahomes, DeAndre Hopkins, and Andy Reid are unquestionably the best spot for DeAndre Hopkins to go to. I think the Chiefs are already Super Bowl favorites. I have them winning the Super Bowl again next year if it's early on. I have it being Chiefs and Eagles again early on. So number five, Chargers. Number four, Eagles. Number three, Ravens. Number two, Bills. Number one, Chiefs. For ranking DeAndre Hopkins' preferred quarterbacks and spots of where he wants to go to and where he wants to be not with the Arizona Cardinals. But moving into the last segment of the show, we're going to be talking about the top five new quarterback wide receiver duos for 2023. And this is going to be, of course, quarterbacks that are now throwing to new wide receivers, whether it's via trade, whether it's via the NFL draft. And this is my top five. I think these will be the five best new quarterback wide receiver duos for 2023. Of course, we would put, you know, Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, maybe number one overall connection in the league, you know, uh, maybe, you know, Bills and Stefan or, you know, Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs. Those guys aren't going to be on here because it's not a new one. So let's get into it. The five best new quarterback wide receiver duos for 2023. Number five, Geno Smith, the JSN. Geno Smith to Jackson Smith in Jigba for the Seattle Seahawks. JSN was my number two receiver coming in. A lot of people's number one. I like JSN. I have no problem with him at all. Um, I don't believe he was the best receiver in the draft. Again, that was Jordan Addison to me. But Geno Smith, just winning comeback player of the year. Having that DK Metcalf, having that Tyler Lockett, and having that Tyler Lockett prototype in Jackson Smith and Jigba called this pick in the NFL draft. I believe they're going to be a great connection next year in terms of new quarterback wide receiver duos. Geno Smith, again, going to be under that Seattle Seahawks offense. 
played with house money last year, shocked a lot of people. I believe Geno Smith can still be a very successful quarterback in this coming NFL season. And having DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and JSN is definitely going to help him out. Number four, Lamar Jackson is a flowers. Lamar Jackson signs with the Ravens, re-signs with the Ravens, right? A whole lot of flock going on, as Lamar Jackson says. And they draft Zay Flowers. I can't remember how the draft played out. They should have went Jordan Addison, but he falls to the Vikings, which was a steal. Either way, though, Zay Flowers. And if I got that wrong, excuse me. Either way, Zay Flowers here. One of the better receivers in the draft, Lamar Jackson. I should have said Lamar to OBJ, but I just don't have the the big-time faith of OBJ really making it to where they're a consistent new wide receiver duo I'm talking about them with. If they do it, great. I'll eat crow, and I'll happily you know, put them in these rankings. Well, Lamar Jackson is a flower. Zay Flowers is a speedster. He can be a deep threat. He's a crisp route runner. He's very technical. Lamar now is getting his true wide receiver one, and he had the Hollywood Brown, but it was very iffy there. He's had the Mark Andrews, who really was that wide receiver one, still there. Of course, he's in the tight end position, though. Zay Flowers feels great here. Hate how Rashad Bateman hasn't necessarily been able to stick. I believe he's still there with the Ravens. Well, Lamar Jackson and Zay Flowers is going to be one to keep your eyes on next year. Number three, if you're peeping the graphic below, it's going to be Derek Carr to Chris Olave. And the reason I say so, Derek Carr, in the best roster he's ever been in more than likely, well, potentially, I want to say good coaching. I know it's a good culture, but I don't like Dennis Allen. But he's in reasonable coaching. He's familiar with it. I know Dennis Allen is going to give Derek Carr the keys. He drafted him when he was a rookie. He played with him when he was a rookie. Or they uh, he coached him when he was a rookie. Pause. <laughs> um, and now he's going to be getting him 10 years later. And Chris Olave is a speedster. We knew about him coming out of Ohio State. Played major for the Saints last year, whether it was Andy Dalton, whether it was potentially Taysom Hill, whether it was, God, I can't even remember. Um, started, oh, of course, Jameis Winston. You know, Chris Olave impressed me a lot last year. I believe the big arm of Derek Carr, the fearless gunslinging mentality of Derek Carr, being inside that Saints offense and behind that Saints offensive line, Chris Olave connecting. I wanted to do Carr to Michael Thomas, but again, I'm skeptical about the injuries of Michael Thomas. Derek Carr to Chris Olave. Chris Olave, great speedster, can play at any point in the field. Big, fearless, big arm, gunslinger in Derek Carr. Number two, Trevor Lawrence to Calvin Ridley. So excited for Calvin Ridley to come back to the NFL this year. Falcons trade him away for a pack of cigarettes, what it felt like. I believe it was a fourth or a fifth round pick. We know Calvin Ridley's coming back from suspension. Trevor Lawrence is expected to take that major leap and be elite as a quarterback this year. And I love Trevor Lawrence. I believe that he'll do just that. I believe he will be fantastic underneath Doug Peterson. They did get a playoff win. Now he's going to have Calvin Ridley. Now he's going to have Evan Ingram, which was really uh, needed to happen for that team. Evan Ingram was very happy. He said, I needed Jacksonville. He's going to have Christian Kirk. He's going to have Travis Etienne. He's going to have Tank Bigsby. So Trevor Lawrence is going to be very comfortable with the talent around him and especially throwing the Calvin Ridley now, who's a very technical route runner. We saw what he did in Atlanta. Great number two receiver next to Julio and really, really, or excuse me, really moving into that wide receiver one position, you know, in the later days in Atlanta before he gets shipped out. And I hate that he's not with the Falcons anymore, that I'm also happy that I don't have to get pestered by him twice a year with the Saints secondary, who thankfully tightened up, if you know what I mean, who that nation. Trevor Lawrence to Calvin Ridley, number two. And number one, I almost wanted to put Trevor Lawrence to Calvin Ridley, number one, but the number one best 
new quarterback wide receiver duo for 2023 is Aaron Rodgers to Garrett Wilson. And this one might seem interesting for some folks. As much as I've been bashing Aaron Rodgers and saying that the Jets are just not going to be good and Aaron Rodgers is playing with these new quarterbacks or, excuse me, these new receivers that are young and Garrett Wilson's in his second year and Robert Saul is in the first few years still as a coach and they're kind of still trying to find the winning culture and it's just not going to be good, blah, 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 for Aaron Rodgers going to the Jets. That's been my whole take on it. But, um, excuse me, despite all that happening, I can still see Aaron Rodgers and, uh, excuse me, I want to keep saying Russell Wilson. I can still see Aaron Rodgers. I like that, Brian. I like that a lot. Thanks for throwing that up there. I'll comment on that in just a second. I I really believe that Rodgers to Wilson could be a major connection in the NFL this year because Garrett Wilson was a great receiver, whether it was Mike White, whether it was Zach Wilson, whether it was Joe Flacco, winning offensive rookie of the year with no sense of quarterback throwing to him. Aaron Rodgers, we know he's elite outside of what happened last year. He's an elite regular season quarterback. We've seen how he can play. He can shy away from competition at times later in his years, but we know he's a he's a, he's, a, he's a baller. He's a competitor. Aaron Rodgers to Garrett Wilson will be the number one connection. You got the sharp route runner in Garrett Wilson. They've been connecting a lot, you know, in this offseason. Aaron Rodgers seems to have gotten a new personality under his belt and overall is just excited to be with the Jets. I know there was... The rumors of, or not the rumors, but I know he had the uh, ankle injury that that really hindered him and hurt him, um, or you know, kind of kept him out of the OTA. So it was a, a rougher start for the Jets to the week, is as J Mac on uh, the herd said. But number five, so again, the 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 five best new quarterback wide receiver duos for 2023. Number one, Aaron Rodgers to Garrett Wilson. Number two, Trevor Lawrence to Calvin Ridley. Number three, Derek Carter, Chris Olave. Number four, Lamar Jackson to Zay Flowers. Number five, Geno Smith. To JSN. And that, did you just call out three Buckeye wide receivers? <laughs> uh, yeah. 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 I sure did. I sure did, Mr. Muck. I absolutely did just call out uh, three Buckeye wide receivers. You guys put that talent in the league, man. There's no question about it. Y'all put the elite wide receiver talent in the league. Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be a monster next year. God, we could have Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison Jr. blow. Both playing for the Cardinals or maybe the Titans. Those are my kind of two worst teams going into the um going in next year. Yeah, I did, man. Garrett Wilson, monster. Chris Olave, monster. JSN, monster. Mechie and Stroud. I like that comment as well. Like that comment a lot. I was thinking about that one. John Mechie, I believe, is set for a breakout year. I'd like to, you know, it, it is going to be a new quarterback wide receiver duo. I can get with it. I'll do an honorable mention maybe in there of uh, maybe about the seventh position because I was going to say Kirk Cousins also to Jordan Addison for an honorable mention as well. But I believe Justin Jefferson's still going to get most of the attention. Um, it will be a great connection, but I don't believe it'll be greater than the ones that I just listed up there. But Kirk to Addison will be number six. I'll go ahead and throw Stroud and Mechie in at number seven. And that was episode 25 of the NFL with AJL. Let's go ahead and get out of here. That's going to wrap up episode 25 of the NFL with AJL, ladies and gentlemen. I appreciate y'all greatly for being flexible with me on the Thursday night edition 
of the podcast. Please make sure to like and share the stream before we get out of here. Get at the subs on YouTube. We're on the road to 500. We're going to be chasing 750 and then 1,000 subscribers after that. Thank you to everyone who's subbed, who's ever liked, communicated with the content, engaged, however you guys want to look at it. Of course, the QR code in the corner of the screen gives you every bit of content. Engage with me any possible way on social media like and share the content please leave a review on podcast platforms if you're a content creator comment in the show get in the chat get in the comments i'd love to support you guys back as well brian i appreciate you man love having you as a regular here on the show lately we went over the afc south record predictions for 2023 we went over the deandre hopkins sweepstakes we went over the top five new quarterback wide receiver duos for 2023 and so much more again no show tomorrow supporting my boy ryan spradlin at his high school graduation congratulations to you bro i love y'all i appreciate y'all and i need y'all episode 26 is in the works i'll see y'all in the next one